Welcome back, guys, to the Black Experience. This is your guest, Nadi. Your <laughs> beautiful host, Brianna, and the wonderful, magnificent Tara, and the lovely Patty. Boom. Hi, guys. This is President Brianna. And in this episode, we are continuing from last week's episode of talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and events that happen throughout quarantine. So this week's episode, we're going to have a series of guests. And as you heard earlier, our first guest is Nadia. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Nadia, who you are, where you're from, all that. Yeah, I know who I am. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> so I'm an alumni of MCLA. That sounds mad amazing to say. I'm an alumni. <laughs> um, I'm living at home in New York City. Um, I'm vibing, you know, taking things day by day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nadia, what did you used to do on campus? Because, like, most of us know you, but our brand new freshmen, they don't know you. So oh what did God. you used to do? With the brand new freshman. <laughs> oh, I remember being a freshman. So let me tell you what I did. Freshman year, I started um, to be involved in Latin American society, so LAS. And as a freshman, you're usually not on e-boards. That's how it used to be. But now MCLA is pretty desperate, and we don't got enough people. <laughs> so anyone can be an e-board at this point. Um, but that was really good. The president then my freshman year, she really held it down. She taught me a lot, her Dominican self. Shout out to Alfie. Um, I also became an admissions ambassador. So that's like the people who do the tours, people who talk to families, like incoming freshmen or transfers. Not to um, cut you off, but mm-hmm. that's how I met Nadia, remember? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I work in the admissions office, so like they got us like setting up tables tablecloths for like acceptance students day mm-hmm. and here's this little four <laughs> foot ten i don't know how tall she is but she is shorter than me and i'm five so three funny. and i'm just like oh my god like i love her accent i just my her accent. energy is just everything <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah continue nadia but <laughs> my energy i think honestly when when you just hate it's like you have no choice but to have energy <laughs> like yeah people can't see you so people gonna <laughs> just feel you at this point you know yeah oh, good times so yeah i was doing that and then sophomore year i became involved still in las but now i was um a secretary and then i still was an admissions ambassador and then I don't really remember doing too much. Sophomore is kind of a blur. I'm not going to hold you. You worked um, in Merck? Oh, my God. I worked in Merck. <laughs> Guys, I worked in Merck senior year of college with Arlene Theodore. Shout out to Arlene. She's such a blessing to that school. Yes. Yes, she is. Oh, my God. Just She's so personable. And that's, like, not really a thing at MCLA. <laughs> Mm-hmm. like she's just honestly so personable you could talk to her about anything and like not like like she's an adult but like it's so easy and comfortable to talk to her so she really blessed my life senior year and Mark mm-hmm. was honestly really amazing because you're around people you're around your people <laughs> like you know <laughs> we have our times where we're in our office and we just chat in we're venting we're going through so much like internal problems and then we talk about it with each other that's a 
and just decompressing. That mm-hmm. was always a space to decompress and just come out with ideas on how to take care of each other and take care of ourselves being at that school. Mm. Wait, can I say how I met Nadia? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So I don't know if this is how I actually met Nadia, but I remember this is like my first like memory of Nadia. Freshman year, I don't know who I was with. Probably my like my roommate and like all my white friends. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. And um, we were walking from the dining hall and we're passing by Sullivan Lounge. And I hear this music and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I'm like, I know this music. Is this Spice in the mountains? Impossible. <laughs> And I pass by and and I see Nadia, you know, tiny, tiny little Nadia doing bachata in the middle of Sullivan Lounge. The music is blaring and I see all these just tall men because <laughs> I remember seeing Kobe and, you know, Kobe's just mad tall. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going in there. Like men scare me. I'm not doing this. And Nadia sees me like peering in the doorway and she's like, come in. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> you all know me. I'm like loud. I'm. I'm extra, but I'm also really shy, like, yeah. like in my nature. And when it comes to things like dancing and stuff, that makes me crawl back into my shell. And Nadia's like, come here, come here, come here. And she, she got me to dance with her. And I was like, I was mortified. I was like, oh, my goodness. But it was also mad fun. I remember those days. I remember that, too, so specifically. And it's like, I'm so oblivious sometimes to people's boundaries. And I just be like, yo, come and have fun. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. fuck it. You just got to But I loved that. it. Right? And I'm so it, glad that you loved it. I'm so glad you did. If you hadn't pulled me in there, there was no way I would have ever stepped into that room. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so smile. I'm glad I was able to make an impact. <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you. Of course. Hillary, how did you meet Nadia? Honestly, I don't know if this is right either because, like, I don't even know how I met this really cool girl named Nadia because, like, oh, my God. I think it was same with uh, Tara. Like, I think it was, was it the campus campus center? I don't Probably. Know. I think, like, the LAS something yes. in the campus center. Yes. I think that's how I first met her. I don't and think- like you were a bunch with like other freshmen too. Like yeah. it was just like a bunch of you guys, and yep. I was like, "Oh my god!" They and she so was much really fun. nice. Yeah, she was nice. She was, she said hi. I think I said hi back. Like, and then that's how it started. And then before you know it, we were like, we were, uh, we were in other clubs together too. Like, um, she would show up for like BSU, one of the events and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I think that's Those how I got to know And her. then we went to that Albany trip, the oh, Asian American yes. Union, and we sat next to each other watching yes. the, the show. Oh, oh yeah, yo, Nadia you. was lit as fuck. <laughs> yo, no, Nadia killed me. So yo, that was when I got to know her. I was like, yo, I can fuck with this. Bitch. Like, I was like, Dude, I was wild. The show was so crazy. good, though. It was. It was so good. Like I remember, we, I took videos. I took. I'm so mad. I missed it. I, oh <laughs> yeah, you were supposed to come, Tori. I forgot, bro. Who came back and she was telling me how how much fun she had. I was like, it was wow. really good. It was really good. They did a really I was good so job. Mad. I was just, so mad. Their presence was so different from MCLA's presence. It really like, was like, the vibe. The energy was just so up there. It was a high vibration. I was yep. like, yo. 
the different clubs, you know, performing on stage. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was really good. It was really good. It you can really tell good they job. put in so much work and so yes. much effort into that and hours, took it seriously. Yep. Hours of practice. Mm-hmm. Dedication. Like they really not <laughs> saying like when they people say hard work pays off, they not joking. So in the last podcast, we wanted to hear from, you know, members of the community here at MCLA or even alumni just People in general who, you know, were directly involved in the Black Lives Matter movement and protests. So, Nadia, tell us about how that was. Maybe talking about, like, your quarantine in general leading up to the protests and how your experience was. Okay. But, so, quarantine, honestly, was okay. I definitely had my ups and downs. Um, I was working the entire time, but remotely, thank God. So I was working for um, my doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then the protests all started happening all at once. And it came quickly. And I've gone to a couple protests back in high school, um, freshman year of college. When I went back home to New York, I've been to a couple. Um, but I haven't gone in like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my brother, shout out to Manny, my brother, Blood. He got involved and actually created his own, like, protest. Mm. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, he knows I'm an activist at heart. So he was like, you're coming with me. You're going to help me plan it. You know, we're going to do this together and with, like, his side of the friends as well. And then I got one of my friends involved with it. So it's like we're a group. It's called the Friends and Family Party because mm-hmm. we just had enough. Like... Bro, it's crazy how much we put up with and how much we're blinded by what we put up with because we're so used to it. Mm -hmm. So we created this protest where they were um, marching to Trump Tower. I think it was Trump's birthday. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah, July 14th, I want to say, something like that. So New York City already had protests um, like organizing and planning that we're going to march to the Trump Tower. Mm Mm-hmm. So we did that. It was me and my brother and our group. And it was about 11 of us. So we all meet, like everyone and other different like groups on social media, they all meet, um, where we meet? I think 59th Street, Columbus Circle. So it's about like maybe 2,000 people there. And, you know, those 2,000 people, we're all talking and we're all creating something like big. Like there's so many different groups, but then we all become one. However, the group that I'm in with my brother, we wanted to go directly straight to the Trump Tower, but the other groups, um, they were going to do their own march and then end at Trump Tower. So we, yeah, so we went um, a completely different way once everyone started marching. So we got to Trump Tower first, and there was about maybe like 50 cops, 70 cops, maybe most already there. Um, blocked off like you cannot step close to Trump Tower like it was completely blocked off on both sides of the street um, with the barricades yeah they was not playing around (laughs) because they knew they knew people were coming they knew this was something that was you know an event gonna happen you know days before if you know Trump's birthday is coming up and New York City, we're not going to just be quiet and not do anything Mm -hmm. so there was multiple groups already planning to do this so they were preparing themselves so we had 
because this is like a group that I did with my brother, we had talked about like the supplies to bring. And that right there is when it like really settled into me. Like this is a real protest. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're bringing supplies just in case like we get arrested. We're bringing supplies just in case like the tear gas. Because it it was when it really started like hitting the ground in New York when shit was getting really bad. And you know, everyone had to cover up tattoos, you know, so that you're not identified by the police or nobody. And I remember putting on like um like the band the big bandages on my brother so that they don't see what his tattoo looks like. And then we mm-hmm. would write um lawyers' numbers on ourselves, like their phone numbers just in case we oh, got wow. wow. Yeah, it was like serious. I was in charge of the water, bringing all the waters. So I like little ass me, you know, got a huge like over the shoulder, um, like cooler with the water, and I'm like handing out to people, like, yeah, we gotta stay hydrated because we're walking, you know. Um, so we get to Trump Tower, already barricaded off on one side, and we stay there, and then we have chalk with us, so we write, you know, fuck Trump, you know, right in front of the barricades, and when we got there, it was like fifty cops, fifty, seventy most. About 10 minutes after we got there, there was definitely about, like, 200, 250 cops. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yep. Wow. For 11 oh, of us. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so there was no other crime for them to protect? <laughs> like, well, honestly, know. honestly, that's a very good question. The rest of New York was sleeping that day, so they would just take the day you. off. Thank you. I've been seeing on the news how, like, they be jacking, oh, the gunshot ratings have gone up in New York. Da, 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 da. And it's because, first of all, these cops are paying attention to the wrong crimes. Yeah. Yes, honestly. Like, What's crazy is everyone's like, oh, like, if we abolish the police, like, who's going to take care of crime? <laughs> is, that what, is that what you think they're doing now, bro? <laughs> like, there was 200 of them posted up for 11 kids, and you think that we don't, we need them? Mm-hmm. Cops are not like, here to protect us. They're here to come after a situation happens. Yeah. Like, it's sickening. So, yeah, it was that as 11 of us. And then 250 cops. And, like, I'm not really getting nervous that much. Um, I'm just like, you know, whatever happens, what happens, whatever happens at this point. You know, so we have candles, too. Like, the little candles you buy at Dollar Tree. Tea and light then, candles? Yeah, those things. And then, but you, like, actually light it. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, like, just the little, like, 99 cents candles. <laughs> and we um, post them all, like, outlining fuck Trump. And then... We were trying to light it, but it was kind of windy. So every time we would try to light it, it would just blow out. So we were just like, okay, let's not light it right now. And my brother got, like, the the megaphone. And he's like, oink, oink. Like, something about, like, because, you know, cops are pigs. Mm -hmm. So we're just saying, oink, oink. And then we're, like, talking our shit to them. And they're just literally watching us. Just literally, like, posted in their high posture, you know, trying to feel all big and bad. And they're just watching us. And they have the cops on the bikes, too. Like, in in New York, the cops with the bikes have, like, green vests, like, neon green. Mm -hmm. And then they send them out, you know, I guess, to follow the other groups of the protests. And then a couple of them trip. (laughs) So we're just, like, laughing at them. And you could tell they're so pissed. They want to do something. And it's like, yo, you really pressed that people are just laughing at you 11 people laughing at you <laughs> like go do your, your little thing that makes you feel like a man go ahead 
So then one of the most powerful things is like we're talking our shit on one side. And then on the other side of the barricades, on the other side of the street, you could hear that massive crowd coming down the street on the other side. And you could hear them just going crazy, like with their megaphones and like, we want justice, you know, and all this. And it's like now all those 200, 250 cops are like scrambling because they're not sure like where to stand now. Like they have to do a formation on the other side now. So mm-hmm. then they're like all telling each other, oh, you guys stay here, you know, to look over the 11 kids and then go over there, the other cops, for all those like thousands of people. So then finally, um, the other group on the other side of the barricade, they make their way on our side where we were. And that's actually how we were able to light the candles on Fuck Trump, because since there were thousands of people, it, was, it blocked the wind. Mm-hmm. basically so that was also really powerful we took photos of that i'm saying how the light up candles on fuck trump that was really great but it didn't get violent or anything like that you know but mm-hmm. and i was low-key expecting it to especially seeing those many cops but it actually didn't get violent so how did you feel after you left the protest like that energy still in the air vibrating through your body yeah like, how did you feel? I definitely was like overwhelmed because it was just so I guess what got to me was the fact that they really felt like putting 200 something cops to 11 of us was the mm. right thing to do it's mm. like I've never been around 250 cops like that before and we already know how these cops are yeah. One, the slightest wrong move that they perceive in their eyes, it's over for us. We are the ones that are getting are getting hurt, getting killed, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's up to them to decide whether or not that's worthy of not of causing a scene or causing to hurt the black kids. It's like up to them to decide. It's like our fate is in their hands. Yeah, were and they in riot gear or they were? were. They just... Oh my goodness! Yeah, they were. So it's like, I was like, once I saw the, uh, the thousand crowds of like the other protests coming, I was like, okay, good. Cause I was getting a little nervous. Like, yo, well, these cops really just run up on us. They were like literally three feet away. And the only thing blocking us from them was this just little ass barricades. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely after like um, being there at Trump Tower, then we um, marched across the bridge one of the bridges which was really nice and that was um powerful because all of us now it wasn't just the group that i was with it was the whole protest now and we were um just walking together with the my, the megaphones and just going hard and like towards the end because on that bridge it's a long walk it's like maybe 45 minutes you know to an hour walk walking down the bridge and after a while you know towards the end people get tired of yelling on the megaphone but my energy was up there. I was like, we still going to keep yelling. You know, we want justice. We want peace. Fuck these racist ass police. Like, <laughs> say her name, Brianna Taylor. Like, don't stop saying her name, Brianna Taylor. And it was just like, I was loud towards the end. Because I was like, nah, these people's energies got to come back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did lose my voice for the day after that. <laughs> I'm just thinking back at it. I'm also thinking back about my mom that night and how scared she was. Mm. 
she we were talking terrifying. about that like yeah. on the last po- podcast we were talking about like just how dangerous um protesting is and yeah. how like the three of us we couldn't go protest because our parents were just not gonna let us yeah facts i remember i heard it and you were like i'm haitian so i'm not an adult <laughs> yeah i'm i'm surprised i was able to get out that house I think what helped was that she knew my brother was going to be there with me. Mm. So she knew I wasn't going to be by myself. But even then, knowing that both of your kids are out there. Yeah. It's like, fuck. He definitely had, like, help from, like, all his friends. And, like, he has a good support system around him. He definitely does. And that inspires me on wanting a a good support system around me. Mm Mm-hmm. Why did you personally feel compelled to go protest? Like, why did you feel like you had to protest? Well, I felt because one, I hadn't gone in so long, and I remember when I remember the feeling that when I went when I was in high school and my freshman year of college, I remember the feeling of going there and how mm-hmm. wow that feeling is a feeling unmatched mm-hmm. that you can't get from anything else unless you're physically out there and you're physically seeing and witnessing and experiencing being in that kind of environment having to fight for yourself like that and demand shit for yourself like that in front of so many cops mm-hmm. in front of so many people that view it differently in front of so many people that don't view your life as something that matters so I just tapped into that feeling that I had and I was like I need to go again and I need to keep on fighting and I need to keep on talking my shit Mm-hmm. because it's not something that goes away with compliance yeah so I was like I need to go back again thank thank you for coming on the podcast yeah I really appreciate it you're our first guest oh my yeah. god <laughs> I'm so honored I saw it on like Instagram on the stories I was like yo this shit is so perfect like mm-hmm. it's so <laughs> perfect that you guys decided to do this it, it's amazing it was needed like yeah. you guys are paving the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. I was like, this is important. So I was like, I definitely need to be on this. I was so excited when you DM'd me. I was like, yes, a guest. <laughs> 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 no, you guys are about to get numerous of guests. It's about to pop off. I could already tell. Cause people just love to talk their shit. <laughs> They do. I do. Exactly. <laughs> and it's good to give people that opportunity, that platform to do so. Like, it's amazing. And then when the freshmen hear this and when the freshmen hear everyone talking this shit, it's going to entice them to do the same thing. Like, yo, I need to get out there. I need to have my voice heard as well. Yeah. I'm excited. I want some freshmen on here. Freshmen, don't be scared. We don't bite. Exactly. Go. Right? It's, it's over the phone. How are we going to bite? <laughs> 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 All right, guys, we're back with it again with another guest. This is my homegirl, Anaira. Um, <laughs> she wa- she'll introduce her in a second. So she'll be talk- um, talking about her experience with, you know, protests and how it went for her and what she witnessed and stuff like that. So y'all please stay tuned, you know, and let's let's get it. Anaira, take it from here. I was good. Um... I'm a Naira, 21. Um, I'm a senior. I am an environmental science major. My concentration is in sustainability management. Ooh. Um, 
I'm president of LAS on campus. I am also treasurer of Nexus. Um, what else? I'm also part of a sustainability committee on campus, and we're trying to like reduce uh, waste on MCLA or in MCLA. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know, know that your major. All right, so tell us about, you know, your quarantine and, like, the events leading up to the Black Lives Matter protests that you attended. And just, you know, give us the rundown. Like, what did you do? How did you feel? And all that stuff. Okay. Um. So for my quarantine, it was, like, it was, it was like a roller coaster. You know, it was, like... I took a lot of time to like, it was like a lot of self-discovery, a lot of um, just like assessing like school in general and and just like trying to figure out like what I want to do with my life. I think that was a really like good journey, like part of my quarantine. Um, what led up to the protest? Um, yeah, so I'm on Twitter a lot. You know, so I stay retweeting the news daily. Like, when I tell you this quarantine, I was just consuming so much, like, wild stuff, like, on social media about what was happening. Like, um, just countless stories of, like, police brutality. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just, it it was just making me sick. Like, Mm -hmm. so, um... Pretty much, it was just my best friend and I, like, finding, like, organizers, different protests, like, through Instagram, mainly. So, like, that's how we went to those protests. They we went to, like, a good, like, 10, 15. Um, I remember those protests, like, they were taking up, like, a lot of my quarantine, you know. Um, it was very empowering, you know, just see, like, a lot of good-hearted <clears throat> Um, like-minded, very powerful, like, strong people around me in these protests. Um, It was also very disheartening to see, like, a lot of backlash, like, come from just, just like, you know, like, outside people, you know, Mm -hmm. just regular folks walking by, like, there were times you would just, like, block intersections. Yeah, it was hordes and hordes of, like, police, of course. We were definitely, like, being followed all the way through. There were like two, three helicopters around like each protest, each protest. Um, wow. It was always like, yeah, it, it was crazy down there. Where the were last... you protesting? If I don't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, It was like in various parts of the city. I mainly went to some in the Bronx and in Manhattan. So like um, specifically in the city, there was one in Third Avenue. It's like in the South Bronx. And then in Manhattan, we went to Union Square. We were in Washington Square Park. I didn't go to the Brooklyn Bridge one, unfortunately. Uh, but I know that was intense. Um, Times Square. Oh, yeah. The first one I went to was in Times Square. That shit was crazy. Like, for real. Oh, my God. That was that was wild. Because at the very end, we ended up in Times Square. So, like, there was just a whole, like, crowd of police. And then it's just us. Like, mm-hmm. it literally felt like a fucking war zone. Because, like, we wow. were also, like, you know, just ready to fucking go. Some shit happened, but, like, we just kept, like, fucking, like, we just started running. Like, 
there were four times we had to like fucking run from the cops and shit like i don't know but like would i do it again hell yeah i don't give a fuck like <laughs> like you said you went to like 10 10 or 15 protests yeah wow i wasn't working so like i couldn't it didn't like sit right with me to like just be at home like just watching this shit and not mm-hmm. being like active at least mm-hmm. you know so that was the least i can do and i also donated to like several like organizations as well i think i donated like about 200 wow, wow. yeah and like seeing that you went to like m- more than 10 how how what was like the lasting effects like how did you feel after all the work that you've done definitely i i felt like so like mentally like exhausted like it definitely mm. took a mental toll on me like just because just like the the amount of like stuff like i was seeing too um and also in the last one, like, we, like, me, oh, my God, it was, like, a small group of us at the very end, and, like, some dude was literally about to fucking run us over. Like, <gasps> we had a fucking two barricades set up, so, like, the first one, it was, like, people just on bikes, you know? The second mm-hmm. one, it was just, like, plain people, because we were, like, blocking off um, Bryant Park, like, in front of the public library there. Um, and so... Uh- he like drove through the first barricade and I just happened to look up and I see him about to fucking like he stopped first so he knew what he was doing. Then he just sped again and I had to tell people to like to fucking move and shit. But his stupid ass fucking like parked two blocks away. So we definitely crowded his car and we're like cursing him out because like that was mm-hmm. not cool. So he was trying to drive over people? Yeah, yeah. Like it was That's it was just crazy. wild. Wow. and had the nerve to say he's with blm you know but it's it it was sick we some people were educating him me and my best friend were very angered so we were just like cursing him out mainly and his mom was in the car too mm. so we had a last protest i went to it was like so mad to see the reactions from black men like mm. it was just so mm. nasty to fucking see it like there there were like these two um and like throughout the, the one of them was like oh like get a fucking job like what are you guys doing here this is a waste of your time like go work or something the second one was just flat out calling like um most of the the organizers they were mainly like black women mm-hmm. and he had the nerve to call them black bitches like mm. screaming like putting all this force all this hate into the universe all this energy to to blurt out and call them black bitches and degrade them like it was just so nasty to see it you know wow. like come on i mean the only implication like i truly thought about was like mainly that like either i'll get arrested you know which is I was like, you know, if I get arrested, I get arrested. Fuck it. Like, I can't. They out here just doing the most, you know? So mm-hmm. if it happens, you know, like, I already stand, I already understand the consequences of protesting. But, like, I still choose to do it. So I already don't care. But either I get arrested or, like, I just, I don't know. I just don't come back home at all, you know? I think mm-hmm. those are only two, like, things that I had thought about. I guess one of my questions is kind of going off of... Anira's point on the two black men degrading black women and it kind of just makes me think about how black women in general are the ones who fight the most for the black community 
and how the Black Lives Matter movement was formulated by Black women. So kind of just your thoughts on this kind of divide seen amongst the Black community, even though it's a movement for the whole community. I guess my thoughts on it is like, it's like, like I completely agree with like what you had said, because it's always black women on the, like the front lines every time. Like it doesn't even have to like be something that directly affects them. It's like, if there's fucking discrimination against Hispanics, it's like black women on the fucking like front lines. The marginalized group getting discriminated and who was on the front lines, black women. But nobody is there for them and like it it truly like blows my mind Mm -hmm. but then it's like I also in this quarantine too I also took a lot of time to like educate myself you know and Mm -hmm. and I think another reason why there's like that kind of divide is just like it was I feel like that's just a white man's tool to be honest because throughout history like white white people and they've been known to divide like black families and like just develop this sort of like hatred for black people and then instilling those same values onto black people themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that also like plays into it as well. It's like you have to like kind of get out like that mind fuck. It's time to like fucking support each other. Like there should be no way it's like only black women ain't like um fighting to keep like this movement alive it it should also be black men as well mm-hmm. like why is all this responsibility pe- being put only on black women like at the end of the day like they're human beings like we c- like they can only handle so much mm-hmm. you know and i really i think that's what, that also plays into it too like they don't see them as hu- as human beings either mm-hmm. you know so I'm, I'm sure LES has great things to come and also nexus so. Yeah, we got a lot of virtual events coming up. Stay tuned for that. We're also gonna um hand out e gift cards soon. E gift some Kahoot. Ooh. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ooh. Some Walmart gift cards. You know, we know. Yeah, out here. I- I'm gonna have to go to that because to survive Rona. I am broke. So. <laughs> I am. It is rough out here. You know? Tell me why I went to Walmart today and my budget was twenty dollars. Oh, it was so. I would have took myself to self checkout. Girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't promote that here. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not condoning anything, but I think self checkout really goes along. No, way. it does. No, it really does. Like, <laughs> no, like it really does. Speaking from experience too, like it really does. Like, no, no. Yo, Walmart I'm corporation's sorry, but... gonna hear this and be like, <laughs> listen, I'm anti-capitalism, so this is why I do at the end of the day. Period. <laughs> I do it for the youth. Period. Um, it, does LAS have a Instagram or something that? The people can follow. Yes, we do have an IG. I believe it's LAS underscore MCLA. All right. I think that wraps up this segment with Anaira Cologne. Thank you so much for being on this week's podcast and sharing your experience. No, thank you. Thank you. Hey y'all, welcome back again, and we're back with our newest guest, Amore. Amore, tell us about yourself. <laughs> um, my name is Amore Joseph. I'm a sophomore, and let's see. I heard you have three T H R E jobs. Oh my goodness! Tell, yes. So tell, yeah. give the listeners a little brief resume of what you do on okay. campus 
I'm pretty much involved in a lot on campus. Um, I have three jobs and I'm in two clubs at of the moment. Um, I'm currently an RA for Hoosick. I'm also a RASM for Hoosick. And lastly, I work as an admission ambassador. Um, the clubs that I participate in is BSU, of course, as well as Nexus, which I'm also the Yes, ma'am. Wow. Doing big things. Big things. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I guess, like we did with Nadia, even though we didn't get a chance to do it with the Naira, but how we met Amore. I have a good story. I do. so i am an admissions assistant and my freshman year you know they're like brie like do you have a cute room and i'm like of course i do like of course (laughs) and so i they asked me to like when the tours come in for like new like prospective students to like look at our rooms and you know here i am laying in bed on a saturday and i hear a knock at my door a little Ooh, sound effect. And, <laughs> and I open the door and I see, you know, this black girl, same height as me, you know, her two parents, her brother, and, you know, they're looking in the room and her parents were loving it. They're like, this is what you need. This one, yes. We're going to proclaim <laughs> it. We're going to pl- pray for this room. This is the room you need. And I was like, okay, all right. And that that's how I met Amore. So, yeah. Yep. That's so cute. And then later that um, year, we actually had a class. Oh, we did. And we saw each other. And I'm like, is it her? And she was like, is it you? And I'm like, it is. But yeah. (laughs) Uh, I didn't actually see the thing with me is I didn't meet her uh, first day of classes. Like how some people met her, you know, like how we met other people. I met her STEM Academy. Mm. Mm. So way back. Yeah, like yeah, weeks before, like semester. we were literally roommates. Yeah, <gasps> like... wait, wait, no, I did. I met Amori then too, and I met you too, Hillary. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh my oh. god, <laughs> wait, I remember you guys. Yeah, yeah, that was oh us. Oh my goodness, but... yeah, we y'all. met STEM Academy or whatever. That was when I first, yeah, so she was, I was late, mind you. They already started activities and stuff like that, and I was just getting here. Mind you, it's my first time getting it. So I met her, yeah, she was my roommate for, you know, that STEM Academy. I moved in. I saw this other black, mind you, when I first heard the name, your roommate with more, I was like, oh, damn, it's some white girl. I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Oh, so yeah, I was like, bro, I'm like, I was tell you, I was like, nah, that's about to be some white girl. So when I walked in the room and it was a black girl, I was like, oh, shit. She was like, you must be Hillary. I was like, yes, you must be Amore. So that's when we got acquainted and stuff like that. I put my stuff down, you know. Had to join uh, whatever activity they were doing at that time. So that was how I met her. I met her weeks before freshman year, like, started. That's actually yeah. crazy because when I heard Hillary, I thought I had <laughs> That's so funny. That's so oh, funny. Oh, yeah. More uh, put together a protest in her own city of Springfield. So tell us about that, Amore. Like, tell us about your quarantine and, like, what led up to, you know, you starting your own protest. Okay. Um, to be honest, what made me start it was the anger that I felt knowing that people were acting as though this was a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
<clears throat> the death of uh, George Floyd. I noticed that a lot more people were talking about it and saying, oh, this isn't right. We need to fight for them. We need to fight for black lives. And I'm like, so you didn't know that we were being killed this entire time. Mm-hmm. This this is something new. And I just see people claiming to be activists and trying to fight. I'm like, y'all are fake as hell. You didn't care before. What are you chatting about now? No. And that is really what got me just so upset. And that's when I just started talking about it. I posted a video um, the first night and I was just like, all of you are fake as hell. And you just want attention. Don't act like this isn't like, it was, it was just very upsetting. And I started speaking about it more on Instagram, just little posts on my story. And a lot of people were agreeing with me. And that's when I realized, you know, maybe I could do something with this. So I created this whole plan. I got my cousin to help me organize um, food trucks and people to bring food and all these things. And I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to protest, but it's going to be peaceful. I even tried to get people from Lennox and everywhere. It was all over the place. (laughs) But I noticed a lot of people were interested. So I got people to join me. And it was actually amazing. It was amazing. I did not expect as much people as I saw. Mm -hmm. But then again, I don't know if you guys know, but I also posted another video where I was insulting Springfield. (laughs) I I saw saw that. that (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just like, we are so diverse and yet we hate each Mm. other. Like, we could be doing so much more, but we're so full of hating each other that we're literally ignoring the fact that people are Mm -hmm. dying. So we need to put that aside and work together. And of course, I got some hate from the video. It's whatever. But I got a lot of positive feedback as well. So I think that also contributed to the amount of people that came out. And like I said, it was just really great. The the line when we were marching, oh my gosh. Kept going and going and going. And we were just chanting. It was just beautiful. I loved it a lot. And it meant a lot. How many people do you think showed up to protest? Ooh, at least two oh, thousand. Wow. At least two thousand. Oh, wow. Um, the video where I posted, I'm like giving part of my speech. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really see everyone, but geez, it was a lot of people. And how did you feel when you were like up there, like, you know, speaking? Like, I feel like normally I would say I, I was nervous, mm-hmm. but I think since I was so passionate about what I was doing, I wasn't mm-hmm. nervous. I just wanted people to listen and to understand where I was coming mm-hmm. from. That's really how I felt. And I'm glad that what I try to give out was taken. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you got backlash, like, did you see mm-hmm. that, ty- that type of like pushback from members of the Black community? Or do you think like in your protests, it was more positive for, you know, Black women who were marching? I think it was more positive Mm -hmm. than negative. And really, the backlash received wasn't even necessarily about our protest. But it was was about me. They they were just trying to get at Mm -hmm. me. But no, it was more positive than anything. And that that made me really happy. Mm. A lot of a lot of men, a lot of black men came together that Mm. day. A lot. That's beautiful. That is. It really is. And you mentioned, (laughs) 
You mentioned that um, Springfield is really diverse. So were, did you feel that like the protests that you had, like of those 2000 people who were there, did you have like a, a really diverse group or was it like mostly um, black people or? It was really diverse. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie. When I looked out at the crowd, I saw a lot of white people. That's nice. Mm. I saw a lot of white people, a lot of Puerto Ricans. It was just all a mixture of people. Mm-hmm. And I even addressed that when I was there too. I was like, look at this. Look at you. I'm so thankful that you came out knowing that you don't necessarily have to deal with what we have mm-hmm. to deal with, but you're still here. And that means a lot. That's really nice. I would say that I would definitely do something like that again. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, after the first one, I went back again and we actually marched to the police station. And that's when we had conversations with the chief of police, the sheriff, and just a lot of the police officers. And it was honestly great. I did not expect to do that. When I went there, I was thinking this is not going to be good. Nothing positive can come Mm -hmm. out of this. And yet we had actual conversations, meaningful conversations, and it was just beautiful. It made me really realize, you know, not every one of them are bad. And that's something that a lot of people have to realize as well. But it's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's very hard. It's very hard. Especially someone who doesn't trust like them. The system itself is so corrupt. It's like, how can you differentiate who's on your side and who isn't? So it's easier for like us as Black people to just put up that shield just to to protect ourselves. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I feel like it shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be necessary. Mm -hmm. So I feel like until that corrupt system is broken... I think it is important for us as Black people to just have that protection, like that, you know. I completely agree. And I would say a little pushback on what you said, Amore, is that, like, um, sometimes it does not matter if you are a good cop. You know, it doesn't matter if you're um, a good apple in a bag of rotten apples, you will rot too. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you're working for a corrupt system and ju- by just by yeah. working for a corrupt system, you are condoning the corruption and um, making a statement that you agree with it, you know? So it's like, even though people say, you know, like not all cops are bad, not all men are bad, not all this, that, and the third, that's not like the point, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I just say that because I know that some specifically black cops choose to be a cop to change things within the system mm-hmm. that's the only reason why i said that mm-hmm. and that's why i'm also saying you know it's kind of hard to tell who is good who was bad because everyone has different intentions mm-hmm. all right so i have a question yes so push comes to shove who those um rare black cops that you're talking about who would they choose the people or the system Mm. Well, if they are truthful about the reason why they even became a cop, then I would expect them to choose the people because that's why they chose to be a cop. Yeah, see, that's not, not you know, not everybody though. Like not not yeah, because a lot of the black cops did not choose the people. I saw the video. Did not choose to them, yeah. A lot of them did not they, join the force to correct the yep, system from they within. They chose the system yeah. exactly, and that is such a burden to try and bear. I feel like also when 
you know, cops speak out against the system, they're automatically like reprimanded or like mm-hmm. let go. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for yeah. the system to do that. But when it comes to cops who are killing black and brown bodies, it's like, oh, they're suspended, they you know, yep. paid leave. And it's like, how, mm-hmm. how is that fair? Like, make it make sense. Yeah, you know? not even how, yeah, exactly. Make it make sense. I really wonder what um, our listeners think about this. Like, send us um, your thoughts, either through DM on Instagram. Like, what do you feel about the idea of, like, a good cop or the idea of um, Black police officers going in to correct the system? Like, what is your thought on on this? Please let us know, and we're going to address it in our next episode. Thank you, Amore. Thank you for the three guests that we have. If you want to be in their position... Fill out the form, our Google form, and that can be you on next week's podcast or the weeks following. And also, we do not have a treasurer. So if you want to be on the e-board, make sure you email or DM us on Instagram, and we can figure out how to get you here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. This is BSU, Black Lives Movement. We'll see you guys next episode for another podcast. So follow us on Instagram at MCLABSU. The link is on our website and the podcast is in our Instagram bio. Y'all have a good day. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, that was good. so good, Hillary. You didn't yeah. mess up the handle. Bree, I just wish that you had gasped like a second after Hillary stopped talking. Oh no. Because that's going to make editing that impossible. <laughs>